0: Welcome, everybody. This is from the Hangar. I'm your host, Lem Malabuyo, and I'm sitting here with two uh, fantastic gentlemen. I'll introduce them um, in a moment. But I just want to say thanks for uh, coming back on and and listening or watching this. And we're gonna we're gonna dive right in. So I'm here with Andrew Andrew Sutton and Dave Simon, um, who are part of the Haiti team um, in the Haiti program. And I wanted just to get them on to kind of talk about. The, the history of the, the program for the past several years and kind of the the things that they've had to go through um it's been it's been quite the journey for you guys so um but let's start with kind of introducing yourselves how about how about you start dave
1: yeah so dave simon um, Aaron and i have been serving in haiti since 2016 and uh we have four children and i've during that time been serving on various roles director of safety and uh, uh chief pilot for a while and of uh, course instructor pilot and um and then direct for it's recently. Very cool, that's yep. awesome. And you have a family and yep. all that stuff? Yep, so we've got four kids, uh, 13 down to five, so wonderful. four kids. How about yourself, Andrew?
2: Yeah, so my wife Angie and I, we have four daughters, uh, and we've been in Haiti since 2011. Uh, we actually started serving there with a different organization uh, when we first moved there. Uh, so that w- gives us a really neat perspective that we like, because we live kind of in a remote part of Haiti, uh, where aviation and services like MAF were really uh, helpful in the country. So in about 2016, we started volunteering with MAF, and then we joined uh, full-time about four years ago.
0: That's cool. Well, yeah. I kind of wanted to talk about that because, yeah, you've been in Haiti for quite some time, but just not with MAF. Like, what what got you interested in joining MAF?
2: Yeah, good question. Haiti wasn't even on our radar. Uh, but when we ended up there, we kind of saw, and we toured MAF when we first moved to Haiti um, in about 2010. Um, And then a hurricane came through in 2016 that uh, was pretty devastating for the country. And we had this prayer uh, newsletter we got every day. And the country director at the time, David Carwell was on there saying, hey, we could use help, uh, just kind of asking people to pray and to help out. Mm -hmm. And at that time, I'd been involved in aviation before. I kind of knew the language in the country. I was able to drive. So I said, hey, I can go in one day a week and help out. So I would just go in and kind of volunteer and drive in one day a week to the MAF hangar in Port-au-Prince, Haiti to help out. yeah, and then kind of over the years, uh, just having a heart for aviation and just seeing the impact that it made in the country. And then the guys, too, kept encouraging me, hey, if you ever, you know, the door's wide open here, if you ever want to come and serve full time. So, yeah, it was about uh, 2020 when we made that switch and joined full time in MAF.
0: Well, what kind of of work and what kind of ministry were you involved in before MAF?
2: Yeah, so we worked at the children's home that was in Haiti, and we had about 31 kids that uh, we would kind of oversee. They lived there on the campus with us. And we were responsible kind of for the administration kind of leading the national team that was there uh, with those kids so we had a lot of fun Aww. yeah
0: <laughs> oh, that's great are you do you still get to connect with them um yeah when you were there
2: yeah we do they're right? older now so that it's pretty fun to see because <laughs> they kind of pop up uh, in different places some were in college in the u.s uh, one worked for maf for a little while so yeah it's it's pretty neat to see how that story has continued over the years uh, and where they're at now that's cool
0: well Dave, like I wanted to, you know, have have you kind of talk about how what led you to MAF, like what what got you into aviation, the you know just that whole story.
1: Yeah, so my background was in the airlines. Just always wanted to fly. Grew up, my dad had an airplane, so I kind of just had it in my blood. Um, cousins and uncles flew as well for the airlines, and so I went to college out in North Dakota, is where I met Aaron um, and. Uh, the uh, the process towards missions was actually later in life, where um, I had been flying for the airlines for a period of years mm. and um, just heard really convicting sermons that kind of um, really convicted me of, of what God was doing around the world, um, outside of my little world that I knew. And the more that I experienced of that world, it was a lot like aviation, where you just get the bug and you just kind of see... God's activity and the way he works in people's lives. Right. And uh, I just kept getting more and more of those invitations. And uh, so then I heard about MAF as like this combination of like aviation and uh, this this mission uh, world out there. And so it really kind of connected the dots for me. And that just kept coming up. Um, and it was, yeah, a confirming calling in Aaron's life as well. And we just kind of kept going towards MAF.
0: That's great. Yeah, I mean, that, I always feel that is a just a common discovery for a lot of people who are in in aviation and looking into getting into ministry is they find out that oh we can we can combine both and i can do this what i'm doing now what i love and do it for christ overseas and it's just like a common combination i and i remember even in my own personal life when i wanted to go into photography and having a hard time trying to marry the two ministry and photography and then someone told me about about their experience with Weaklift and saying like oh no I know someone who's had a career in photography with Weaklift," and this was you know this conversation happened back in 2020 in 2001 and so um even then I felt like oh okay this is this is pretty cool I can actually pursue this and and God can can use it uh, for his glory later down the road and so I don't know I just it's just really fun I think I I resonate with kind of that discovery that seems like everyone seems to talk about a lot but no that's really really neat uh, I wanted to, I wanted to, again, bring you guys on to talk about the Haiti program. And uh, Andrew, you were saying that David Carwell um, is was at a time when you were there in Haiti is the was the country director. Is now um, not has moved on from that position, and Dave, you've you've uh, kind of stepped up to the plate um, and and taken on that role. So I, maybe I'll just have have you start off this conversation. You know, tell me about. The, the Haiti program um, and kind of when did things kind of start, um, when did things start going a little
1: bit uh, unpredictable for the program in Haiti? Well, I'd say David and Patricia did an excellent job leading the program for a number of Mm -hmm. years. And I mean, they poured their hearts out and they continue to do that Um, despite him stepping out of this role. He's still, you know, they're both committed to the team and both uh, willing to help out wherever they can and still feel like Katie's on their heart. So I really uh, admire them for that because I know it's probably just a difficult time for um, for them just to step out Mm -hmm. of that and into this unknown. (laughs) And but they're really applying their faith in that area. Um, But yeah. uh, you know, about 2018 was kind of a big shift in the country um, with all the insecurity. Haiti's been known for, for years for having insecurity and, and issues over the years. But um, 2018 was kind of a bigger show where they tried to, uh, they had a lot of pressure on the current um, president at the time, uh, Jovenel Moïse. Um, and, uh, you know, there was some issues of corruption and stuff in his past and whatever. And so there was a big demonstration that was kind of widespread throughout the whole country. Um, they they wanted to do like a country lockdown. And so I remember um, that was actually the first time, uh, the first summer that I kind of stepped into the acting role of director while David was away on vacation. Mm. And he's like, I think you can handle this, you know, and you just got to do this and this. Mm. And here's the keys kind of thing. And then like the next week... (laughs) uh, as Aaron's parents were visiting us for the first time in Haiti, you know, the whole country goes into lockdown and there's, on my drive home, I had to go through burning tires and, um, never had to experience that before, but it was like every road that I tried to get on, on a back road was blocked. And, um, I was with national staff and they're kind of guiding me through the process and everything was very dynamic in terms of, well, we'll go up to this, you know, I know somebody at this corner and they can get us through the blockade. And, and I'm just thinking, like, I like UN reports say, don't drive through burning barricades, but you're telling me to do that. And <laughs> anyway, I made it home that night. And then then I met my mother-in-law and father-in-law at the house and had to explain, you know, the whole thing. And uh, they couldn't get on their flight the, when they were supposed to. And, um, yeah, it was just kind of chaotic for a while. Oh, my goodness. Um, and so that kind of began what, what we're in now, this context of uh, a lot of insecurity and a lot of unrest and just uncertainty about the future. Uh, I don't know if you want to speak to uh, kind of what happened after that was um, just the, the assassination uh, of Jovenel Moïse. And that was uh, probably the next major event, I would think.
2: Yeah. So there were a couple of kind of milestones that it felt like. 2018, to kind of started this gradual cycle of heading downhill. Mm. And I remember um, in Easter of 2021, we kept hearing about kidnappings kind of around uh, the city. And then there was a church on Facebook Live and the gang came in there on Facebook Live and kidnapped the pastor. And that was a pretty big one, like in the church community. A lot of people Holy were talking cow. about that. Wow. Um, and then a couple months later in uh, July, the president was assassinated a couple miles from where we live. Uh, so, yeah, there was a lot of uncertainty, kind of what was going to happen. And the city was pretty quiet for a few days. Um, but then from there, the insecurity kind of just kept mounting higher and higher. And... Uh, in the fall of 2021 the families had to leave the first time the gangs kind of blocked off one of the only fuel terminals in the country so it kind of started this domino effect of where hospitals started to close uh, grocery stores started to close you couldn't find fuel Um, the water pumping stations were restricted so the families had to leave at this point
0: so when so you said 2018 you know so i'm trying to like do the timeline thing now um but it wasn't until 2021 where families had to start moving out of the country were you guys operating still um Mm -hmm. all that time yep yeah we continued to operate until last march so march of 2022. what did what did that look like did you guys have to like severely diminish the amount of flying you had to do like leading up to 2021 or was
1: it like just normal i'd say it was pretty normal um I think there were times when we couldn't get to the airport or couldn't, you know, we had to kind of adjust the day-to-day schedule just because of roadblocks or issues around certain parts of town or that kind of thing. Uh, several times throughout that, our families had to shelter in place and you had to have mm-hmm. enough food on on hand, you know, to to make it in case you couldn't get out of your house. Um, and we were kind of in lockdown more or less um, during that time. And that can get hard on families. Yeah. Um, as you do that over and over, and it's not its not unique to Haiti. There's plenty of programs right, yeah. throughout MAF that experience the same reality of just the pressures around um, uh, their community and where they live. I mean, you can't drive to take your kids to school. You can't go to the grocery store without knowing whether it's going to be a safe route or not. And so you're checking your phone and getting your security updates and kind of taking a day-to-day um, look at things and assessing, okay, is it, is it safe today or not? Um, and, yeah, it just wears on you, I think, over time. Yeah um and so that was kind of the what led us like he described you know we got to the point where a lot of our families just couldn't find basic needs we couldn't find gas we couldn't get to the grocery store we couldn't get food um and we were down to you know no fuel in our tanks and it's kind of like you know all of our documents say we can't stay here and this isn't sustainable so Um, but yeah, operationally, we continue to fly and the partners that are out there, depending on us, made it really clear that like, we're so thankful that you're here. Um, we're able to do this and have this kind of impact because you guys are remaining in the country and we know you guys are staying at the hangar sleeping there. Um, and I think we've shared some of those videos and reports, but it's, it's like, you know, you know, as soon as you get on that plane and you evacuate that, um, if you say you're going to stop operations, other people are just, they, they really, right depend on on the services we're providing so oh man so it kind of weighs on you on the other end of the spectrum yeah i'm sure that was such a tough call to make um right yeah yeah
0: so 2021 happens you guys um move out of the the country is that was that the the full stop for operations for you guys or did did you guys at that that point
2: Uh, the families left, and the husbands would stay, so we kind of started this rotation season for about three months. Uh, we would be in the country for about two or three weeks, and then would come back to the U.S. to stay with our family for a week, and then go back. So all the guys, the pilots and mechanics, were kind of rotating on the program for those couple months. And then it was early 2022, uh, towards the end of January, when the uh, the families came back.
0: They came back, oh, came back to
2: headquarters? Uh, came back to Haiti. Oh, at, oh really? They went back to Haiti? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. In 2022, okay. Yeah, because the the gas terminal kind of opened and fuel was available again, so some of those things were kind of restored, some of okay. those services. Uh, unfortunately, the cycle kind of repeated itself, and then November that same year, the same thing happened again. Okay. Uh, but this time, it lasted a lot longer than the the three months. Oh, man.
1: You heard of the term emotional whiplash? Yeah. I was <laughs> yeah. going to say, like, yeah.
0: talk about difficulties for, for families, for right. you guys, and I'm sure that was very difficult to navigate, like, Would you mind me asking, like, you know, how how was that for your families?
1: Uh, Well, all of our families last year were we met in Florida just to do like a member care debrief time. And I think David Holstein has shared about this, but there was, um, you know, member care led us to put all these events just on on post-it notes um, and kind of do the same thing we're doing right now. Just, okay, this happened and this happened and this happened and just kind of piece together the story uh, so you can step back and look at it in in a whole And then he said, "Okay, every one of those stickies you put up there that was like had some kind of emotional effect on you, um, could you take it off and put it on this red sticky?" And so you could see all of a sudden the whole wall become like this red. (laughs) (laughs) It was just—it was really evident that every family just kind of internally was was bearing this load, you know, the whole time. Like I talked about, emotional whiplash and just the effect it had on our kids' education and. Uh, you know, just doing life in a foreign place is, is challenging enough. But when you're coming in and out and all of this complexity with you know, husbands rotating and families staying behind and living in a displaced kind of place, some of those families had to move while they were in the States to different places because the oh, housing man. wasn't available. And, um, yeah, it's just all those basic things that you need to figure out for your family. Uh, it get really complex. Yeah. How about yourself, Andrew?
0: Anything to to input on that?
2: Yeah. So it was a difficult time for the families. I mean, everybody wanted to be in Haiti, but just the situation there just kept going downhill. I mean, the kidnappings were increasing and there was just a lot of stress kind of with the daily life. And I think during that second period of rotations, the second year, it kind of came clear really nobody was thriving. We were kind of just trying to survive that season. And I think it came clear that this wouldn't last forever. We were going to have to do something uh, to kind of change. So that's kind of what eventually led to the operational stop and uh, not flying anymore because mm. we really wanted to be there long-term. And we realized if we kept at this how we were at the moment that it wasn't going to last very long.
0: Yeah. I mean, I we're I mean, I kind of jumped the gun a little bit about you guys having to move back to headquarters for, yeah. for oh man, like, was it, like a year or?
1: Uh, June was when we first moved okay. back here. Some families moved a little bit before that. I think okay. it was uh, maybe January for some and March yeah. for others. And then uh, the, the most of yeah. us came in June. Yeah. That was so, uh, such a blessing. I yeah. mean, I, my heart goes out to everybody here at headquarters. I know Barb and I've had several conversations about this where I just I feel the burden of our whole <laughs> program just invading. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's almost so like it we mean. wanted to paint the bricks red and blue, you know, and just make it Haiti. Yeah, and, and uh, but it was so unifying for our team and such a, a you know, having that sense of community again where our kids were like back yes. with their friends and like mm-hmm. just you know instead of our little like some families were over in New York and Indiana and all the places of the country and now we're all in one place and we're working together and engaged together in this planning and um yeah that was just a huge huge blessing yeah. to our team so
0: so one of the things i don't know if everyone understands like the kind of la- the layout here at headquarters i mean there is the hangar obviously that we're sitting in there's another hangar that we have and then we have like an administration building but then also on the campus we have like a bunch of apartments, and a basketball core and basically a, a campus where families can come, essentially to come back and debrief, um, and they can stay in the place and and kind of live life while they do that, and then move to their their state where they're they're originally from to to do deputation or other things, visit for holidays or whatever, but when when you guys came it was really yeah like you said like we it was all kind of all hands on deck to find housing for you but it was really cool to be able to accommodate a team like that because of the facilities that we had on campus and so just to give you guys a little bit of context like it was it was really neat to for the past yeah 10 12 months to to see a bunch of kids um kind of like on a daily basis running around and doing all sorts of um, activities together and, and having that community um, from the Haiti team, be out here, so that was just really neat. But
1: yeah, and we haven't—it hasn't gone unnoticed that some people have had to stay off campus or, or come mm, up with creative yeah. solutions for that. So I'm really thankful for that sacrifice because yeah. it meant a lot to our team. So yeah, uh, I, mean, you, you a, I mean, you call the—I mean, you call the busting,
0: which it is. Um, mm-hmm. Was there was there kind of like a sense of relief when that decision was made? Was there a sense of relief from the families, like okay, there's like a plan? Like it's it's heartbreaking because we want you guys do want to be in Haiti. But the reality is is that like, we, we have to take care of our families, too. Um, and this might be the best solution for the time being. Uh, was, that, was that kind of a relief for, for some of the families to come back and have, like, a permanent place to stay um, and not have to worry about, okay, well, can, we, might not, we only have this housing for a month or two. We need to find something else. And, or we might be in Haiti two months from now, but we may not at the same time. And, yeah, just speak into that a little bit.
2: You want to go first? Yeah, that's a good one. Um, I kind of joke with my wife now uh, that it's all over with, but we would kind of get in this um, cycle in the rotations. Like, I would be there for a week, so we kind of get used to, you know, dad being home for a while, and then I'd leave, and they'd kind of have to get used to those routines again, and then the whole cycle would repeat itself. I'd come back and kind of <laughs> disrupt everything. So I think that's been the biggest thing since we've been here and the family's been back together is just the stability of that time. And I think that's been really appreciated by most people. Uh, over this last couple months of just being back together as a family, because that's really where we need to be. Yeah, right. I'm glad that only happened to him because that <laughs> that didn't happen to me. Right. But I mean, I resonate with that because like I'll
0: I'll go to an overseas program yeah. overseas program with MAF to do uh, film and photography and stuff, and I'll yeah. be gone for three weeks, almost four weeks sometimes, and I'll come back <laughs> and try to try to be dad and implement like authority here and mm-hmm. all this stuff. And I haven't I've been gone for almost a month, so. It's not like they give me like this, you know, weird side look or anything like who 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 do you think you are coming back in here? But at the same time, my wife has to tell me like we, we've been doing like Yeah. You know, just ease your way back in. They need to yes. <laughs> they need to yes. adjust and it so, is a together project. Yeah. That's right. Um so I, yeah, I I totally get that, Andrew. In but yeah. I mean that's tough to to do it in that in a cycle where you're just about to get settled and then off you go Great. and
1: But to your point, I mean, that's the thing. Families are meant to be together and teams are meant to be together. Same concept. And so our team definitely misses Haiti. We just want to get back into the country and be back with our our friends and Mm. brothers and sisters in Christ and, you know, continuing to – just engage in the ministry we're called to do. And so there's a sense in which that ministry doesn't have to wait until later, but also we're displaced from our our calling, right, to a sense. So um, I've been equating a lot of this to it's kind of like we're wandering around in the wilderness. There's a lot of themes that kind of resonate with me on mm-hmm. that. Um, and I don't know if you've ever been in a corn maze, but there's some similarities yeah. where you're where you're wandering around and sometimes you get the signpost that kind of says you know if, if you get this answer right on the on the question you're going to go in the right direction and that's kind of the way it is you just you wander in a direction for a while and then you get this like this act of grace by god where he says hey i think you should go this way and, and pursue this and then you have to put your faith in that as well and step into that and say this seems like what what god is telling us to do at this point and we walk in that direction for a while and then he gives us another breadcrumb to kind of follow and that's honestly been sort of the path that our team has been on since we left the country, <laughs> mm. but it's exciting that way. You know, it's like yeah. an application of faith, just like Abram, like setting out to the country he, he didn't know. <laughs> yeah, so that's actually, that's a really great analogy. That's really cool.
0: Thanks, Dave. The uh, I'll, and I'll just say too that hanging out with with your guys' kids throughout the past past year has been really fun. Like volunteering with forge harbor and doing some of the the kids activities like i we went to the roller rink one time and i think i was (laughs) racing your oldest son um what's his name again it's uh it's about sammy sammy oh it was was yours okay it was your son (laughs) i was like okay but yeah he he can he can he can skate he can skate he can hold his own yeah That guy's that guy's fast. And so he's got the hair for it too. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, it's true. (laughs) It's just blowing in the wind. (laughs) Anyway, so but it's it's just been a real joy to to hang out in that capacity with the Haiti team, just like being with the kids and and yeah, kind of contributing to the the community there in that in that way. Mm -hmm. So but we're kind of like we kind of went through all that and now we're kind of like in present time. What's what's the next steps for Haiti? Um, or I'm sorry, the next step is sort of the Haiti program, or the yeah. Haiti team, not necessarily. The- yeah, <laughs> Can I you might speak on the the pro- right. no, the country of Haiti, please. Yeah, no, Haiti questions. That are. <laughs> yeah, that's a great question. I, I'd say
1: right now, just to catch up where we're at in the process. I mean, we we've been here since June uh, as a team, kind of planning and organizing. Um, what does Haiti look like when we go back, mm-hmm. and what what is going to change, what's going to remain the same, um, you know, what things do we need to be mindful of like why did god orchestrate this time and allow us the space now to to step back and sort of reset in a lot of these areas um, and there's, there's been probably more discernment i feel like in engagement on our team than maybe any other team has had in maf in the whole time i don't know i'm saying that kind of boldly but hmm. um i mean I'm, i've only been in maf a short time but i feel like there was intentionality in this process to get each of our um uh, members of our team engaged in these different work groups where there was Emphasis on housing. What's that going to look like? And regulatory issues and legal stuff. What's What do we need to change there? And, um, you know, the situation is very dynamic uh, with not just our, our team going back to the country and resuming things as we left off, but there's been regulatory pressures to become an airline, like an AOC holder. Mm. Um, and that means sort of like the equivalent of a 135 in the U.S. And we have to kind of shift some of the ways we've been doing things because of that. Um, and there's, uh, you know, we're going to move into a uh, area of the country that we're not familiar with and that involves land ownership and, and we've been renting for years now we're going to own property and mm. so there's just building involved and development and so all those things are are things that take a lot of time to discern and work together as a group and I've, I feel like MAF has done an amazing job allowing our team the space to really engage and participate that or in that process um, and give voice into it in a really special way so I'm really thankful for that
2: yeah So yeah, there's been a lot of questions um, with moving back. And I think it's in the big picture trying to find a way where the team can get back and be healthy there uh, in the country for a long-term solution instead of just let's get back kind of how it was and as quick as we can. So yeah, I think there's been a lot of good thought and how we can do this really well.
0: Yeah. So, I mean, we're recording this. It's February 13, right? Yeah. What, I know you guys are, so like there is an actual like plan, right, to... (laughs) be yeah. back. What mm-hmm. what does that look like for, for you uh, guys?
2: Two weeks from today, actually, we'll be flying back uh, okay. to Haiti. So yeah, the goal is um, to move back there. The first two families to go back and then kind of help uh, lead the way for the rest of the families coming maybe later in the summer, in okay. the fall. Uh, there's a, a piece of property that's about 16 acres. We're all going to move in there uh, together. Um, so yeah, we're kind of okay. looking forward to that and the time we've had here together as families. Um, and then being able to move back to Haiti at the same spot, I think that'll be a really nice thing. That's cool.
0: Yeah. I met, oh man, I can only imagine you guys are all just like super stoked
1: to get back in there yes yeah and it's it's challenging i mean the the logistics of this is not easy the country is continuing to deteriorate there's insecurity all over the place in the the capital where we used to live and so how do you move out of these houses that are already deemed unsafe for our families (laughs) yeah and go back into them um sort of knowing that you're going into harm's way and you have to like get all this packing done you know usually my wife does a lot of the packing inside i do the stuff outside and then we kind of rendezvous in the middle And this time it was like we made the decision that it was a little too unsafe for wives and children to go back and do that. So it's kind of all on us to go into each of our houses um, and pack up. And so that's what we did in December. Now all of those belongings um, that were put into totes are now down closer to the airport, and when I I go down tomorrow um, back to Haiti, oh, okay, and then next week I'm going to spend my time with with uh, missionary flights international, which is a uh, operator that has a DC three, and we're going to be doing about four flights to get all of those belongings up to yeah. the new location. Okay, and so it's just you know there was a lot of moving from our national staff involved with that, mm-hmm. and just a team that came together and just how do we solve this problem? How do we work together on those kind of solutions and part of me just like wants to continually remind myself the ministry doesn't begin when we do the first flight, you know, like mm. we're doing all of this yeah. right now and engaging in this stuff together and, and really discerning and applying our faith in real tangible ways um, through the process. So it's a good mindset to, to keep in mind. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: I didn't even think about the fact that you had to go back into your old homes just to, um, just to pack them all up. And, and what does that look like from a safety perspective? I'm glad that that all yeah. went down <laughs> Well enough.
1: Yeah, I mean, one of the things was getting our cars up to the new location, too, and I'd never done this before, but there's a transport company that has a flatbed truck and they just like show up at your house, you put the car on there and then you don't have to do the wear and tear of the vehicle itself driving up. But I had to push the button on that and be like, yeah, we're going to take the risk because there's no insurance company that would insure that kind of thing. And you just pay the company and hope it works out. (laughs) They go through the gang territory and pay the gangs as they go through and it it showed up. All three cars made it. So, Praise God for that. Wow.
0: <laughs> oh, oh, man. Well, what about the partners that you guys were working with out there? Like, how, how are they doing? Like, did, did a lot of them have to move out as well and shut down operations for a time? Or was that?
2: Yeah, that's been tough. And it was hard to kind of say almost a year ago that, hey, we're going to st- stop doing flights. Because some of them did have to leave because oh, of MAF. Um, just in the context of the country, Port-au-Prince has kind of been encircled by the gangs. So all road travel in and out of Port-au-Prince is almost impossible to not go do gang territory. Um, So there are people that are still there in the country. There's a couple services that they can still use to get around, uh, but some people are like flying into an airport on the north part of the country and they have like a 40 mile ride on a boat on the open ocean to get there because MAF isn't able to fly. And they've shared stories like where the engine breaks and they're kind of drifting like in the ocean for five hours. And (laughs) it's pretty windy up there on the North coast, so. Yeah. There's not a lot of great options left and people are really trying to just, um, yeah, just hang on as long as they can there.
0: Okay. Oh my
2: gosh. I mean,
0: I guess it just shows just how important like aviation out there and MAF being out there is, um, for, for ministry work and reaching, reaching people there. Yeah. Man, that's, that's crazy. Well, I'm glad you guys are traveling back. Um, and it's like, it's becoming more of a reality as, as time passes. So,
1: yeah, the emergency Medivac thing, too, like we're we're usually available for that, and ministries know when we're in the mm. country that that's an option. So I even mean, had a call a couple of weeks ago from um, somebody that lives in an area that like, really close to where Hands and Feet used to be out there in Grand Guave, mm. and uh, his son was suffering from an asthma condition kind of thing, and they were it was getting worse, and so he was wondering what his options were for getting back to Port-au-Prince. And the more he talked about the situation, I just really, my heart felt for like, yeah, I wish we were there to help you because... I I can see how like he just he's trapped by gangs on one side and then if he goes to this other place there's no flights available and he really has no great hospital to take his son to to like help if there's a real bad uh, you know asthma attack so they're just hoping and praying basically that that the gangs either let him through or um, that Mm -hmm. he can find a way to get to Port-au-Prince so he can get his sons to safety so um, yeah as a father I can really identify with (laughs) that kind of pressure and and concern that you would Mm -hmm. have for your family and yeah yeah well i mean it's been
0: it's been a really a a lot of up and down for your families and and the haiti team and a lot of downs um looks like it's you're you're on up but i kind of want to ask you know you guys and you speak for your families and like what kept you guys going to to stay vigilant through all this in order to come to a point where you can move back into haiti and begin flying again in the near future?
1: Um, I think for us, it's just the overarching thing of, like, God's called us to this this people. And, um, you know, Haiti's one of the poorest countries in our hemisphere, and the suffering that we're experiencing on our team right now. And what we've been through is honestly just a little bit of a window into the reality that they face all the time. And so one of the things that God's taught me through this process is just empathizing with daily life there. And we get on a plane and evacuate when we reach a certain critical point in our policies. And for them, they're like, I don't get to go on a plane and my life is still here in the midst of all this insecurity. And uh, so that, that deepens my heart and my passion for wanting to serve and minister alongside them and see the, what our ministry can do to transform that whole thing. I mean, God has a way of working despite those kind of circumstances, right? He's in the the harshest of conditions. Yeah. And like Psalm 139 says, like, even to the far side of the ocean and, you know, the depths, uh, you've to go to the far side of, you know, distant islands, you'll meet me there and uh, your right hand will hold me fast. So. Um, I truly believe that. And I feel like MAF can be that kind of light and that kind of hope for people in a, in a situation like Haiti. Um, and I've seen that in our ministry there, too. So I'm excited to lead that effort and kind of rally people behind a different reality than what we're seeing in the news and seeing um, on the streets and, and just the, the poverty that is so right in your face um, every day. So
0: Wow.
2: So, yeah, it's definitely been a deepening, I think, of your faith uh, through this time. There's a lot of suffering that goes on in Haiti. And I think the same way in the U.S., you know, maybe there's, you know, an accident or someone has cancer or something like that. And you really ask those questions of, like, why is the Lord doing this in this season? And sometimes you don't always get an answer. Um, It reminds me a lot of times some of the early Psalms, you kind of read those. And it's talking about, you know, the evil people are kind of dominating over the city. And the Psalm ends, like, pretty abruptly. There isn't, like...
1: You no know, sense of
2: victory at the end. You're kind of like, what's happening here, and it kind of feels like that over the last several years. Um, so mm-hmm. I think kind of the long term look of you know trusting that the Lord is doing something that we don't always see. And I think for me personally, um, just finding those pockets of hope. You know, the kids that we had worked with before, even seeing during that time when th- things are really difficult, but there are um, areas of light and hope in the country. And I think finding those stories and kind of sharing those, that keeps you going, uh, kind of getting on a personal level with people. Because the numbers are overwhelming when you look at the big picture of the country and what's happening mm. there. It's when you really get to know people closely. And the Haitians, yeah, they suffer so much uh, through all of this, but they're really yeah. resilient and they have a hope that, yeah, it's it's pretty deep.
0: Yeah. Man, thank God for guiding you guys to, to this program because it sounds like you guys are kind of the you know, it's like the right people for the job is kind of what I want to say, but only because God has like fueled you into those and a passion into those ministries. So that's really, really neat. Mm -hmm. Um, I do want to do, before we close, I do want to do like some rapid fire questions. But before we do that, I kind of wanted to see if there was anything else you guys wanted to speak on um, and kind of like open the floor up to whatever you guys wanted to talk about.
1: Um, Yeah, I'd say just seeing how God's moved through this. I mean, it's not like it's all been heartache and difficulty. I mean, that, that definitely has been true. And it's been a hard road, a hard season for our, our team. Um, you know, he has protected us throughout this whole time. Um, there, there have been some of our national staff that unfortunately passed away for uh, personal reasons mm-hmm. and just health concerns. But, um, you know, and that hit the team pretty hard. But God has protected all of us, despite the, the obvious insecurity. Um, and I mentioned the empathy thing. I mean, that to me personally has grown my faith and grown my, my love for the Haitian people. And just the, um, the reality of what they're facing every day has, I think, given me more resolve to, to continue and um, pursue uh, the path he has for us. And I am just kind of excited about this season up ahead because I, I feel like this time that we've been given to kind of step back and reset and discern more carefully what does what God have in store for us here? Um, what is the next step that he wants us to take? Um, and there might be a reason behind all this that we can't even completely see right now that is going to accomplish his purposes in these years to come and i'm really i really believe that i think that there's there has been a greater effort on this time and this season for our team to really step back and discern that kind of thing and i do feel like we're going to be going as we go with the lord in this that we're going to see real tangible fruitful ministry um, in these that's years cool. to come so man what that's awesome hope i love yeah. it
0: that's great. Yeah. yeah,
2: it's been good to see the local church uh, at work mm. in Haiti because um, I think nothing can compare with, with the local church if it's working well mm. and kind of meeting the needs of the people there. And even seeing during the times when, like I mentioned, you know the kidnapping that happened in church, people still came uh, because there's a hunger there uh, to grow. And seeing them come alongside of each other and support one another, it's pretty amazing uh, to see that in action, even despite all the challenges that they have there. That's really cool. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. great. Thanks, guys. That's really cool.
0: All right, so I'm gonna just these are just like questions I want to ask just people to get to know you a little bit more on like not so business level but just personal stuff. So I'm gonna open up with uh, with like a favorite Haitian dish that you guys really like when you're out there. Rice and beans. Rice and beans. (laughs)
2: Nice. (laughs) (laughs) That's a good one. I like chicken. Yeah, that's pretty much a part of any meal. Yeah. uh, And do
0: they like do they roast it? Do they fry it? What, What do they do? Grill it? out there?
2: Yeah, sometimes grilled, sometimes fried. Okay. But yeah. But those are I definitely guess chickens, two favorite ones. Challenges. Nice. But yeah, rice is a huge part, rice and beans. Yeah, a huge part of the diet. That's cool.
0: <laughs> okay. How about, like, books? So you guys, what's a book that you would, you would say, like, oh, that's a great one that I always have on my bookshelf?
1: Well, I just talked to one I read recently, Insanity of God. I think it came out about the time that I went over uh, to Haiti um, in 2016. That's about when that book came out, and I never had a chance to read it until recently, and it just yeah it just really opens up my eyes to the persecuted church and just what's going on in the world and it really centers you on like the value um and depth of uh the resurrection and just the the hope that we have in christ and l- listening to the stories of how that's displayed in that book you're just a uh, man it's it's so encouraging i just find so much encouragement in knowing that the church the greater church and what they're experiencing and the, the willingness they have to lay their lives down um for the lord and for the kingdom but they're like you have a freedom to do this. And like you, you live in a country where you can choose to go, you know, share about the Lord and, and the work that he's done in your life. And I just think that that is energizing for me to just be given that opportunity. That's cool. And work for an organization like MAF that can really do this and like extend the love of Christ into yeah. isolated places. Yeah. You
0: are the the second person to mention that book in, in this podcast. <laughs> nice. <laughs> so I'm like, maybe I should read this. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> How about yourself, Andrew.
2: Yeah, that's a good one. Um, I think one I read recently was a Simon Sinek book about Start With Why, uh, rereading that. And I think it's helpful for us to remember because we we love airplanes. We love flying and helping people out. But really remember the reason why we're there and why we're doing mm. that is important kind of to get to that center part of the circle. Yeah. And not it's not just about the airplanes and the service we provide, but the reason we're there. And what's the title of that book? Uh, Start With Why. Start With Why. I have never heard of that. Yeah. That's a really you good one. can read the book. It takes about eleven hours. Or so there's like a twenty minute TED talk that gets most of it. Oh, there you go. Uh, there you hour. go. Now so, you're yeah. speaking my language. <laughs> yes, <laughs> <laughs> that's
0: great. Um, music, love it all. All of it. Pretty much all of it. Yeah. If you were to, if if you were to fire up a playlist right now, what would it be?
1: Uh, well, I recently discovered um, a band called Rivers and Robots. Nice. Uh, they're from England. I guess they're not even a, a group anymore. Like he, they broke up or something. But uh, yeah, it was just a friend in Haiti that I was showing him a different group and he showed me that one. And now I started listening to them. And it's just kind of this blend of like acoustic stuff and like some tech kind of stuff in there too. So it's kind of this weird blend. But yeah, I just like it. Uh, the depth of the, the lyrics and that kind of stuff. It's kind of something I can just put in the background and just listen to and yeah, and, yeah get in your head and that kind of thing. That's cool.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I'm blessed because my wife is a great piano player. So <laughs> she's usually playing the piano around the house. So we usually have music, which is awesome. Um, I think Stephen Curtis Chapman is probably one of my favorite artists. Nice. Okay. I feel like he has a song for everything in life. Uh, so yeah, it's good to listen to. Yeah.
0: That. Oh, yeah. No, I grew up on on that like 80s, 90s CCM stuff. So Stephen Curtis Chapman has a, a, special, <laughs> <laughs> a special place in my heart. Yes, The Great Adventure. Well, one of the cool things I'll say though, just with the music stuff, um, is that. Because Haiti, like you guys are you have such talented musicians on your team Mm -hmm. that when you guys were here, it was really cool to have a number of you guys step into the chapel worship here and was really blessed to to be a part of like playing with you and playing with your wife and singing. And that was that was just really, really neat. So I just i love that. So I definitely want to ask the music question. But
1: um, but yeah, like what's a what's a hobby you guys like to do? uh yeah i i don't know i love being outdoors and anything involving hiking or or uh uh, sports of any kind um so yeah we often are out there throwing the football and playing games like that um i i obviously love music so that's always been a passion in my life so um it's especially worship i feel like that's where my heart really is Mm. but i i just love being a part of any kind of music with other people so but i like to compose too I, i write some songs and Mostly piano kind of stuff, like classical. Oh, really? but oh wow. Dang. Uh, yeah. I don't know if I should have said that word on here, but...
0: Oh, well. It's out there. It's <laughs> out there now. <laughs> how about yourself, Andrew?
2: Yeah, um, we like to snow ski. Uh, my okay. wife's family grew up doing that. We've taught all our girls how to do that, so like, we have a da- lot of fun. Like downhill or con- cross-country? Downhill, yes. Downhill, okay. I mean, that doesn't happen in Haiti, but... Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah we usually find chances here in the U.S. to go sometimes. So yeah, that's a lot of fun.
0: Were you able to go out while you were here in in boise
2: i uh, not here in boise we went a couple of weeks ago in colorado oh okay so yeah oh, that was a lot of fun
0: a much better place to a much better scene to go skiing than yes than Idaho, probably but yeah the mountains are amazing i'm a little jealous about that that's awesome <laughs> okay i'm gonna la- one more one more question and i i'm dreading to ask it but i have to but like sports like sports teams like what's what, what is it
1: well you know the chiefs just won the Super Bowl. I don't know if you heard that. If you checked out on your checked out on their phone lately, but <laughs> was one of the most televised events that the world um, has known. So, oh yeah, you said you were a Forty Nine ers fan. You? I, yeah, yeah, it's yeah, true. It's true. It's a bummer to lose to Taylor Swift in the Super Bowl. <laughs> yeah, she was really the key to their <laughs> success. I think. <laughs> so
0: <laughs> there are there are conspiracy theories about that. So should I be like I'm one sure of those are. those stubborn bratty Nair fans and just hold to that, or should I be one of those that actually concedes the fact that the Chiefs are a better team than the Niners
1: you know they were this year every year is different so no I they feel won't like, always be in the Confederate like every year is the same and they
0: feel like the Chiefs are the better team it's just can't count them out at this point yeah um, it's awful it's yeah. awful anyway it was a good game it was a good game I'll keep it praying was, for you yeah I'll,
2: <laughs>
0: yeah why did I ask that question? <laughs> 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 do, you, do you have like, are you into sports or anything like that? Andrew? Hardly. Yeah.
2: I watched like one American football game a year and probably the Super Bowl was it. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. yeah.
0: Yeah. I'm sorry that you were a Niner fan for yesterday and had your heart broken two <laughs> days ago, I guess at this point. No, right. I'm just kidding. Um, but yeah, thanks guys for, for coming on here and talking about, yeah. about it. I think just with the, the the threshold being there you guys are about to cross back into being back into haiti i thought it was really timely to to get you guys on here and you're still here and i it's been such a blast to have you around um and walking past you guys in the office and seeing you guys and talking and yeah so this is kind of like my way of saying like bidding you guys farewell Mm. although i'm still trying to get myself out to haiti myself to to do some video and photography work so Maybe sometime
1: in the future that will happen. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm really thankful for this opportunity because I think a lot of people like know this planning is going on, but they don't really know what, what's really going on. Yeah. So just having the opportunity to share and give everybody an update. Um, and I ask you to pray. I mean, there's there's still some really big unknowns ahead of us. Um, we're going back and we're engaging in, in all this stuff to rebuild and, and everything, but there's there's challenges with the government, challenges with the process, with uh, getting the, the AOC I discussed and, um, and just all of the the many things that like we just realize we don't have a lever to control this we just have to like pray more and yep. and so i invite you to, into that just to okay. engage with yeah. us in prayer and and uh, as our team goes back and and kind of says yes i'm willing to go and um you know do not fear like like he tells joshua we're just going back into the land that he's showing us and and trusting that he's going to open up the big the big doors for us yeah so yeah definitely we'll be we'll be praying for you for
0: sure but yeah, and, and if anyone, if you guys have any comments or um, want to send any encouragement, you can always do that on, in the comment section on the video or you can email us. Email us. What's the email address? I don't know. Well, who do you want them to email?
1: Yeah, it's just, <laughs> I just realized.
0: <laughs> You know what to do. You can, you can, you can do it. <laughs> it's on SharePoint. If you go to SharePoint, there's there's a link for it there. I think I said you know what to do in the last episode, too. I probably should do, like, I should probably practice a closing. Yeah. This is just me being very candid on the podcast right now. It's just not professional at all. But, it's okay. Um, <laughs> but, um, but definitely, if you if you like this podcast, definitely hit the like button. Make sure to subscribe um, either on YouTube or your any audio podcast platform that you guys listen to we really do appreciate you guys um watching this and and uh we'll see you next time but dave andrew thanks again for for being on here thank you all right guys we'll see you next time